Michael Myers Minute, where we delve into the 1978 horror classic Halloween, one minute at a time. I'm your host, Robert Black. As Minute 59 begins, Sheriff Brackett is not very convinced by what Loomis is telling him. But before we get to that, I don't even have this in my notes because I just got a copy of this today, or my hands on a copy of this today. The novelization of Halloween 2. Like... Anyone who's listening to the show knows that Halloween 2 begins before the first Halloween ends, right? They overlap. The novelization of Halloween 2 starts even earlier. It starts with the scene with Lonnie and Richie and Keith going to the Myers house and Loomis standing outside. And I thought it was interesting because Loomis's thoughts about Michael and why he's in Haddonfield to kill on this night are interesting. It was, he thought, the perfect night for a sacrifice. No wonder he chose Hallamas, the man thought. The last night of the year, according to his calendar. It certainly seemed that tonight, with the bright, talking tongues of fire within the graven pumpkin heads about to lick their last and enter the final darkness. They would have been better off left dying on the vine and replenishing the earth instead of being ripped up and slashed into crescent skulls for his glorification. A circle of worshippers, thought the man. That's what he wants. A coven, a crowd, a world of them, an inferno of split, burning skulls grinning to honor him in a blazing rictus of death and destruction. Even they weren't enough, fifteen years ago. He demanded other, more knowing obeisance. Cries of agony as he called living flesh to the long winter of that which was never born. It must have been music to his ears. If he even heard them as he spilled their blood at his pagan feet. Damn him to hell, thought the man. That is his just reward. Only let me be here when it happens. Let me be present when he returns to his earthly home to dance on the graves of the dead. I know his perversion now, and I will be waiting. This time I will be ready. The man fingered cold steel in his trench coat pocket. I'll be here no matter how long it takes. I defy him to show his obscene face once more to the world of the living so that I can blow him into a thousand putrid pieces and scatter those pieces on the four winds. For even Lord... It's Halloween too, so I'll pronounce it proud they would. For even Lord Samhain is bound for the present into his human form. If you cut him, does he not bleed? You're damned right he does. I'll rip his death-eating heart into pulp with a load of burning lead. I should have done it long ago, if I had had the guts. I'll be here, he thought. Try to get back, you prince of scum. You'll have to go through me first. I don't need a car to track you down. You took it. Well, keep it. I gotta interrupt to point out that Loomis has another car. I know where you are driving, even now. I know. Which is why I can afford to let you come to me. That's actually... Okay. He doesn't know where he's driving. That's why he's just standing around waiting. I should have finished the job the first time I saw you. You were still impersonating a child then. I should have torn your heart out with my bare hands and stuffed it down your fucking throat. I should have carved out your eyes like one of your miserable pumpkins and fed them to your rotten face. Read you your future from your stinking entrails. Tonight, your only future is an eternity of non-being from which you'll never return again. It would have been easier, but you won't get past me now. This time, it ends here. Apparently, in the novelization version... Brackett doesn't come up right after he scared Lonnie. 
Interesting. I'll get into reading the rest of that by the time I get to Halloween 2 in, what was it, it's going to be February. In the meantime, Minute 59 begins. Sheriff Brackett is not very convinced by what Loomis is telling him. Brackett continued. Doctor, do you know what Haddonfield is? Families, children, all lined up in rows. Up and down these streets, you're telling me they're lined up for a slaughterhouse. Loomis, they could be. Brackett. All right, I'll stay with you here tonight, just on that chance that you're right. And if you are right, damn you for letting him go. Second 21. Brackett turns and walks away. Second 30. Cut to. Exterior. Wallace House. Night. The house is quiet. Dark. The lights are out. The script says Annie's car is parked in the garage. It's a weird note because the script never said we could see the garage. A car, it says, but it's a van. Pulls up in front of the house and parks. This is a 1975 Ford Econoline. It approaches from the north. We are on Orange Grove in Hollywood. Its lights flick off. The sounds of laughter come from inside. And we have an IMDb goof. <sighs> when Linda and Bob pull up to Lindsay's house, you can clearly see a California license plate on the front of the van. Blue with yellow numbers. Other vehicles in the film have the proper Illinois plates. White with black numbers. Yep, blue and yellow California plates, 962PDK, if you must know, but this isn't necessarily a goof. Bob might just be from out of town, or recently got his van from someone who was. In the novelization, this is Bob's father's van, and it has a bunk bed in the back, by the way. It's not necessarily a goof, it's just California plates. Those do exist. Interior, car, night. Bob Sims, a good-looking 17-year-old, pops open a can of beer. Next to him, Linda guzzles hers. They embrace. Uh, Robert David Sims, Bob, was the pitcher for the Haddonfield High Huskers baseball team, and he was a tight end on the football team. His parents' names are David and Christine. He was also a potential valedictorian, according to the novelization. He is played by John Michael Graham, but was supposed to be played by Dennis Quaid, PJ Soul's boyfriend and later husband. But there was a scheduling conflict with the movie breaking away, so Quaid couldn't do it. Quaid was, at least at some point, on the set, though, because there's a photo, I believe it's in Ken Gottlieb's book, of Dennis Quaid on the set. And there's a famous story, which I'll get to in a few minutes, uh, about the screening of the movie where Quaid was sitting next to PJ Souls, and, well, I'll get to it in a few minutes. Has to do with the nude scene. John Michael Graham was a background dancer in Grease. Otherwise, Halloween is his only acting credit on IMDb. I met him at age 40 back in October, and he was very nice. I'll get into our conversation about the harness he had to hang in and how Bob really stuck to the wall when Bob is killed. Spoilers, in minute 66. Second 40, we're inside the van. Linda. Okay, so what we're going to do. First we go inside, right? Then we'll just talk a little, and then Annie will distract Lindsay. That's when we go up the stairs to the first bedroom on the left. You got it? Trying to think of the stairs now. Sorry. Got distracted from my notes because... We go up the stairs. They don't go to the first bedroom on the left. I'm pretty sure they go like three doors down the hallway. Because the stairs come up and the bedroom they're in is at the other end of that hallway at the top. I don't know. We'll talk about it later. Bob. Okay. First I rip your clothes off. Bob grabs Linda and she starts giggling. The script says the can of beer falls over onto the front seat. Linda, don't rip my blouse, it's expensive, idiot. The blouse, as we saw in the added for television scene in minute 29, is actually borrowed from Lori. 
Bob. Then you rip my clothes off. Then we rip Lindsay's clothes off. Yeah, I think I've got it. Bob takes a drink of his beer. Linda. Tote. And she doesn't get to finish her, her catchphrase. Or catchword. The minute ends. Now, per the novelization. Let's talk about that line from the end there. Bob's line. Then we rip Lindsay's clothes off. Per the novelization, the original plan for the night was, after Lindsay went to bed, Paul and Annie were going to use the parents' bedroom. Linda and Bob were going to use the convertible sofa. There was no plan to involve Lindsay in any of it, in case anyone thought Bob was serious here for the past four decades. Additionally, it's 1978. The suggestion that Lindsay be involved was more silly than creepy at the time. Take this Love's Baby Soft ad from 1974, for example. There's one person nobody can resist, and that's a baby. So Love made Baby Soft with the innocent scent of a cuddly, clean baby that grew up very sexy and foaming bath, body lotion, body powder, and body mist. So innocent it may well be the sexiest fragrance around. Love's Baby Soft because innocence is sexier than you think for your baby at Christmas. We can't forgive everything because a movie was made in a different time, of course, but you do need to consider context. Halloween came out in 1978. It was filmed in May, came out in October. July 1978, 10-year-old Brooke Shields was featured nude in Photo Magazine. On that note, as Halloween was being filmed, May 1978, Shields could be seen nude on the big screen in Louis Mall's Pretty Baby. Two years later, The Blue Lagoon, which also featured underage nudity, was top 10 at the box office for the year. Maybe we don't need to forget it, but we do need to understand it's 1978. Plus, as Rick Ingham pointed out a few minutes ago, they probably intended to smoke some pot, not have an orgy that may or may not involve Lindsay Doyle. Planning on smoking a little dope, having a little premarital sex, and getting slaughtered? Instead of her catchphrase, which gets cut off here, Linda responds to Bob in the novelization differently. You've got something, she said, sliding her hand up his muscular thigh. Now I've got something. Jeez, Linda, Bob gasped with a rush of desire. Let's pray for a sleeping Lindsay. Yes, but in case our prayers aren't answered, maybe we can drop some Valium in her chocolate milk. You're terrible. Totally, Linda said, pushing open the door. That is all for Minute 59. Michael Myers Minute is a production of Lemming Drops Studio. You can find more content at lemmingdrops.com. You can stalk me on Twitter and Facebook at Myers Minute or Instagram, Michael Myers Minute. Or join the Facebook listeners group, 45 Lincoln Lane. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a nice review if you like what you hear. And if you really like what you hear, or you want to help me make it sound better, you can help me out and join the Thorn Cult by donating through Patreon at patreon.com slash Myers Minute. Until next time. See you later. Bye. Bye. You know, it's Halloween. I guess everyone's entitled to one good scare, huh?